Everybody, welcome back to the eighth episode of our podcast. We are in the middle of the World Cup. We have finished the group stages. We are on to the knockout stages. Andy, I have watched more soccer in the last week than I think I have all season, to be honest. How how was your last week? I am with you. The advantages of working from home have allowed me to see so much soccer until the point where I feel like I can coach these teams, which I absolutely cannot because I cannot yes, play can. anywhere near the level of, of them. Uh, yes, you can. <laughs> um, you can, you can coach them. You, armchair quarterback, right? Yeah. I can coach with a, with a screen in front of me and me just yelling at the screen. I think that's the, that's the height of my, my coaching in there. Um, but yeah. How has how has that week treated you with all that soccer? Honestly, it has felt like a feast of soccer because every day there were two or th- two games at least you could watch. Yeah, I mean it. I loved it, but honestly, by the end of the the third part of the group stage, I was like, man, I am almost soccered out, almost Andy, almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I got a little yes. refresh, a little little mental reset, and then the knockout stages started, and I was like, okay, all right, let's do this. So yeah, the knockout stages have definitely been like a nice pump of fresh air because now it's mm-hmm. kind of getting to the time of the holiday season. So now it's like, how is this World Cup fitting into these holidays? Because I'm definitely going to move more towards holidays than World Cup, but that could all change uh, as this progresses. Um, also, want to congratulate you on your win, Paul, uh, for you. our first challenge. You done well. You got more points than I did. Um, so that means like in the group stages, you got to advance. So yes. Yay for you. Well, I'm sorry, Andy, but you've been eliminated from this world cup from this podcast because my wife got more points than you did. Yeah. Which <laughs> I didn't even know I was competing against her. So I thought like this was going to be a shoe in. So now, now she's in second. You know what? Fair play to her. She, she picked a good team. You know, sometimes the cookie just doesn't crumble your way. Yeah. No, that, that's okay. Uh, I finished with 18 points out of a possible 32, I believe. Yeah, 32. Uh, wow. Z finished with 14 and you finished with 11, Andy. So, so I missed know. it by a, I missed it by a win. That's not, that's not bad. Yeah. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, but I, you had it all in, all in good fun. Um, I will take my winnings and I'm going to donate it to the pay up FIFA campaign. Put literally put my money where our mouths were a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. in that opening World Cup podcast. So shout out, shout out to them uh, for keeping FIFA accountable for for their actions for sure. So yes, love it, absolutely love it, Paul. So yeah, love the fact we're able to still still talk about, still bring it up because yeah, even though the World Cup is happening, there are still things that we can do now that it is happening to hold uh, Qatar accountable for. Uh, their actions. So yeah. yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, Andy, we had absolute pandemonium in the last part of the group stage with all these games. Uh, group a kind of was the most tame. I feel of the groups with, with the Netherlands advancing um, as mm-hmm. well as Senegal with a little bit of a, a shocker over Ecuador, but group B was was a lot more interesting with the the U.S. and Iran, with Christian Pulisic literally giving his pelvis for his country. Now, mm. uh, so I, I I heard a story where he was in the the hospital watching the game on his phone, 
and the hospital was trying to get his diagnostics, but his heart rate kept spiking from watching the game that they couldn't get a baseline heart rate for him. <laughs> so I just, I love that. And you know, that's so cool. He, he gave it all. And honestly, I hate his nickname, Captain America. Cause I don't view him as, as our Captain America, but he still mm-hmm. gave it all for that goal to get us through to the knockout stage, which, which was huge, honestly. It it was. Definitely that was where all of the media attention was, was USA Iran, that game, what's going to happen? Because it was it was winner or go home. The, actually, yeah. we needed to get three points in order to advance. Um and USA got it uh from from some slick play. I was able to break down uh an Iran defense, which I didn't know if they were going to be capable of doing, but they they were able to do it with some slick play. I think it was a cross field pass. Um, from out desk, wide yep. right, from yep, desk, from desk. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And then curling it into to Pulisic, uh, to get past in there and ramming himself into uh the goalpost. Um, taking the uh crossbar challenge a little bit too literally there, but <laughs> hey, you know what, Captain, you know what Captain America does? He'll do anything for his country. Oh gosh, so. I hate that. I hate that nickname, Andy. I could go on about how much I hate that nickname, but we don't have time. We've got so mm. much to get through today. Yeah, yes. that that was a great result. Uh, great to see the U.S. advance and then later get humbled, but we'll get to that later in this in mm-hmm. this episode. Group C, Andy, this is why we watch soccer. This is why we love the World Cup and why we watch. I was after I, mean, I re- unlike why you, you watch soccer because this was yeah. Argentina playing and getting to advance. So this is definitely yes. you. But yes, this was this was a great group. Well, and unlike you, I, I had to go into work or have to go into work. So I had to record all the games. So it was late at night watching, watching with, with Z and watching the Mexico game on my computer and the Argentina game on the TV and nervously pacing through as the Poland goalkeeper is absolutely standing on his head to use a hockey mm-hmm. term with mm-hmm. 11 saves, almost breaking Tim Howard's record. Yeah, from the USA versus Belgium clash in in the past, saving a messy penalty, which Andy made me so mad. That was one of the worst <laughs> penalties I've seen, and for Messi to hit it like down the middle, just slightly off center to the right, was just awful. But then, yeah, you know, he made up for it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Argentina advances. Great two no win. I mean, it it had to happen. Poland was going to break down eventually. They just mm-hmm. couldn't. They were playing ten guys behind the ball and hoping that Lewandowski could single-handedly create a counterattack opportunity. But yeah, great yeah. win from Argentina. My heart stopped pounding. But then we were glued to Mexico because I, I, I'm a I'm a Mexico fan. I am. I wanted to see mm-hmm. them advance, but that game and the fact that Mexico was going to lose on fair play points to Poland is just nuts. What do you think of yeah. that tiebreaker, Andy? So. It's such an interesting tiebreaker, as I phrase most things that I find are are complicated. I've just find, I'll just label it as interesting. Interesting. Um, so I would think that in terms of just getting a quick tiebreaker just like that, I think sure that that can work. I do think with yellow cards though, if you have like referees that are, if you have more lenient referees versus more strict referees in the group, I would think that's a little that's a little unfair in yeah. those situations when it gets down to that. Um, but 
I honestly don't know how else you could do it if you've done gone through gold differential, if you've gone through um yeah, if you've gone gold differential, if if you've gone goal scored, scored, where they've scored, yeah. you know, things things like I, that. So it has it unfortunately that is the cleanest way to do it because you don't have the coefficients like you do in the the club game, which I don't even yeah. understand. Me either. Uh Z actually had a good point. She was saying they should go head to head before fair play points, which to me honestly sounds like a good idea if you're gonna use that as a tiebreaker, not necessarily as the first one, but one of the middle ones, and then go fair play points mm-hmm. after that. But yeah. in this case it wouldn't have mattered because uh Mexico and Poland drew in their games, so but I would right. like to see head to head be before that. But yeah, you know. It, it is what it is. I could see expected goals. I could see that, and that might make more expected sense. Like goals. expected goals, yeah. However, yeah. they calculate expected goals. Whoever had more goes and advances, which is also a weird kind of statistic because you can make chances, but the whole point is finishing those chances. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's not always yeah. an indicator of how well a team is is playing, kind of thing. Yeah, and honestly, it's going to make someone upset no matter what. So they have to break the tie in some way, shape, or form. Yes. They, Andy, do you want to do you want to talk about Group D after that Group C? Yeah, Group C just yeah, like the, it gave me so much excitement and blood pumping, and I was glued, absolutely glued. Yeah, Group, group C, C is, a little. Group, sorry, I'll I'm just go one. You. I'll just do one <laughs> one touch point on Group C, um, and I just want to call up the defense that uh, Poland had, which was. Really essentially just parking the bus and praying that they don't lose by two goals. Yeah. Um, I'll send, I'll share a story or a little anecdote that when the game had finished and we had only uh, Poland, I, I was rooting for Poland to advance because I'm, I'm half Polish, uh, on my mom's side. So I was like, let's have Poland go through. And my brother texted me after he saw the game and he said, like, sent a gif of, if you remember the scene from Pirates of the Caribbean where Johnny Depp is on the top of his mast sliding into like Tortuga with his sinking ship and yeah. then just like getting off of the ship onto the pier. I love, that yeah, appeared I love that. to be yeah, that he said that I was like actually that it summed up perfectly what the strategy of Poland was <laughs> heading Absolutely. in that second half of the game, being like we think we can coast it, we could but just like slowly call me uh, ease into ease into it with, uh, around a burning ship because Argentina were just tearing them up left, right, and center. So yeah. they made it. They did it. Yeah, yeah and but, honestly, uh, their goalkeeper was the only reason that they advanced because without their goalkeeper, they would have lost like four or five nil. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, hang. Like honestly, I have to tip my cap to Wojciech Szczesny, uh for that. Uh, but yeah, Group D. Uh, the main, main storyline was Denmark needed, I think, to beat Australia by a certain amount to advance, uh, and, uh, overtake, uh, Australia to get the second place. Um, they were not able to do that, weren't even able to get a goal back, um, and they ended up losing their game, uh, just looking very toothless in their attack. So my dark horse of Denmark, uh, didn't have the, firepower i think from the wide areas that they probably needed uh to be a more res or to be a more free-flowing a more attacking team so too over- too over-reliant on i think christian erickson uh yeah. and uh hoiberg to create something when they really needed their strikers and i think wide players to 
add some width and trickery to a very resolute uh, defending Australia. So kudos to the Socceroos. Uh, they do, they done it to advance. Um, so really well, really well played for them there. Um, so I think it was France and Australia moved out of that Group D. Group E, probably the most exciting final day or group that had the most exciting final day, I think could be argued. I'm going to argue Group C, but that's because it also involved Argentina and Mexico, two of the teams that I was pulling for. So, But, mm-hmm. okay, I'll give you that if you think that's what it is. I think Group C was more exciting, but it was also exciting. I agree. Yeah, as as a neutral, because I – out of these people that came out of the group, I had no skin in either of them, uh, seeing them come out. Um, but cause I thought actually Germany was going to find a way to get out. I was obviously rooting against them cause I didn't have them in my, in my bracket. Um, yes. but they were able to get the win in their game and get the gold differential. Uh, but Japan winning a game by a blade of grass, apparently as a ball was going out of play, uh, one of the Japanese players was able to hook it back into the into the goal area um where one of their players was able to put in the back of the net uh fascinating fascinating end to a game that sending japan through uh to the round of 16 so that Amazing. that to me is insane at in the end of almost stoppage time uh, i think it was what was it stoppage time or am i mixing that up with south korea uh that was south korea ah okay but, but any in any case Anywho. to beat a yeah to beat and go on through um gotta gotta admire Japan's uh team unity to get that to get that goal and to keep pressing so yeah honestly, honestly kudos to them they deserved it yeah and I just think Spain didn't want Germany to advance that's mm. what I think I think Spain was like nah I don't want Germany in the knockout stages we can lose this game we don't care yeah. Yeah, I could see it. They probably want to rest for for their next game because if they advanced, they were going to face Morocco. Um, so maybe their eyes were more towards the round of sixteen. Who who knows? But yeah, all that Germany is out. One thing I did want to mention because I found this on my social media was that after Germany got knocked out, the Qatari news media like online and on television did a mocking of Germany by covering their covering their own mouths which yeah. was so dumb because the reason why Germany covered their mouth was to highlight the fact that FIFA was censoring Germany and so to protest it protest the whole world cup being in Qatar it was just so strange that you're like making fun of people who are calling you out for something that is holding you accountable. Like it just made, made no sense. So, and yeah, it was just very, very odd, very weird. And just probably added more sourness to a, to a kind of uh, controversial world cup. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, not a great day for, for the protests and Germany looks not as good since I saw people online making fun of them for being more focused on the protest than their actual play. But Andy, you did kind of, not kind of, you did call it beforehand. You were talking about an, an aging Germany, a lot of young guys who didn't necessarily have the experience or the cohesion to kind of get Germany through. And, and as mm. you said, Germany didn't go through. So kudos to you um, 
But uh, one thing we didn't see was in Group F, Belgium. Romelin Lukaku, what happened? That dude had four or five chances at an open net and missed every single one. Yeah, there were – so I would say some of his chances were not as as clear-cut, but when you are – when you are in a World Cup, you need to you need to put those chances away. Um, yeah. Well, Andy, some from, of them were wide open. A couple of them some, were. Not, maybe not all of them. Yeah. I was hyperbole. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. yeah, there were some yeah. of them that were literally like all he had to do was put the ball towards the net and it was going in. And yeah, he would there was blast it over or miss it off frame. Yeah, just crazy. There was there was one that he looked like to just go for power and it just ricocheted off the post where he mm-hmm. probably didn't have to do that. Uh, maybe he was trying to go for the emphatic uh, goal to advance. Um, but yeah, Belgium just had a lot of missed chances. It was interesting because Roman Lukaku actually didn't even start the game. He came on in the second mm-hmm. half. Yep. So you wonder if he starts the game because it's always hard. I think going into the second half of a game and trying to get up to speed and you know, if there's nerves or anything coming on in the game to be like, go and win this game for us, you know, that makes or breaks players. And there's always been a question mark on Romelu Lukaku is, is he world-class? And with this, it makes it even harder to argue that he is. He's definitely was one of the top strikers at, the time when he was younger, but right now, if he was able to put those chances, any of those chances away, I think he's back in the discussion. But unfortunately, kind of how the how soccer works and how sports works, you gotta you gotta sink your chances in order to be uh, considered one of the greats. And he just didn't put his chances away. Yeah, and and you would think that by the third or fourth or fifth chance. That he'd be like, okay, I'm warm now. I have an idea mm. of the flow of the game. I got my touch. I just don't mm. think he ever got his touch. And I, I agree with you. I think maybe if he had started the game, he would have had his touch more. And then when those chances would have come, I think he would have been in the flow of the game more and been able to put at least one of those chances away. So unfortunate yeah. for Belgium. But something that mm. interesting that I heard during the game is Kevin De Bruyne and some of the veterans had actually said – yeah, we're a little past our prime. 2018 was our chance to win a World Cup and we didn't, we didn't do it. So I found that interesting that they were honest about that. And obviously it showed, honestly. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely one of that, uh, what do they say for like that Dutch almost like super realism, super honesty <laughs> that sometimes doesn't serve a good purpose sometimes. Um, to say that right before going into the game and saying that, you know, saying that, I don't think helps your chances as a team if you're that outspoken about it. Um, you'd want to have some more belief in that. So not super, not super great to communicate that out as a team. Um, but it's probably just born out of frustration where this very, very talented group coming up together was not able to get it done. But honestly, that kind of happens with a lot of teams that say are the golden generation. There's a lot of expectation to then do something and Belgium hadn't. Yeah didn't have the pedigree from the past, like maybe a France or even in England, you would think uh, to be able to put a golden generation through. Um, so it sometimes happens when there's just a lot of expectation, you know, it's hard to live up to that until you win the whole thing. And it's, yeah, it creates a vicious cycle. So yeah. unfortunately Belgium is not going to be, not going to be participating further in this world cup. Yeah. 
Moving on to Group G. Group G, I think the highlight with that was against Cameroon, Uruguay. Uh, and remind me what the two other games were for that group. That was uh, Brazil. No, so it was uh, Cameroon, Brazil was the game. Cameroon, and Brazil, Serbia, that's it. Serbia and Switzerland were the other two that were playing. That's right. That's right. Yes. Which Switzerland, uh, the Switzerland and Serbia game, very, very back and forth, very heated yeah. as people kind of expected. Um, but one highlight from Group G uh, was that uh, Brazil actually ended up, I think, winning this game. Um, no, they, they lost. They lost. They lost nil. the game? Mm-hmm. That goal was the decider. Sorry, I'm still uh, in your thunder. What? There was a goal. No, no. You, I'm th- thank you for correcting me because I yeah. apparently from all this uh, football fest, I can't even remember what the scores were. I can't. I, dude, I can barely keep track. Yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah. Well, it was the it was the sending off of Cameroon's Abu Bakar uh, where Abubakar. he did score. Abubakar. Abubakar. Oh my gosh, I'm slowing down. All that, all that <laughs> soccer, I can't even, can't even say names right. Um, where as he scored his, scored a goal, uh, he actually had a yellow card preceding his goal. Uh, as to celebrate his goal, he took his shirt off, which is yep. a customary celebration in soccer. And also a customary thing is for when a player does take off their shirt, they get a yellow card. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in Abubakar's final game, he basically went out in style and just said, Hey, I'm just going to take off my shirt and I'm going to bow out of the, of the world cup this way, score my goal and then walk off the pitch looking like a hero. Um, Paul, in your opinion, with the second yellow card and getting that sent off, do you think it's reasonable to, for someone to, get a sending off for a celebration bite if the celebration is taking off one's shirt. Yeah, I honestly, I think it is because it, this didn't used to be a yellow card, but then FIFA decided, uh, I think it's been about eight years or so, eight to 10 years since this rule came into effect. But the reason that they did this, I think was equality between men and women because women we're getting carded for taking their shirts off to celebrate goals. Like the, the famous Brandy Chastain goal in the finals against China in the world cup. Mm. Yeah. So honestly to me, yes. Cause I think it's an equality thing. I don't think, I think you either, you got to go one or two ways. You got a yellow card, both genders for the same celebration, or honestly, in my opinion, I think they should just let them play and let them rip their shirts off and wave them around over their heads. Personally, mm. I think both genders would it would be fine with that. I think it's a great celebration, honestly. I mean, one of the most yeah. iconic goal celebrations of all time was in El Clasico at the end of the season when Messi on the last kick of the game uh, after a breakdown field off of a pass from Andre Gomez, who I couldn't stand, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. Messi slots mm-hmm. it home over a jumping Luis Suarez, and in front of the Bernabeo, Messi just takes his shirt off, turns it around, and shows it to the entire crowd and all you see in the background are everybody in the stands with their two middle fingers up at him. Oh, it's one of the most iconic photos. It's actually the the background photo on my computer because I loved it so much. But Messi oh, got a yellow yeah. card for that. So yeah, yeah, I, Which, I don't mind it. I think you just got to be equal between the two genders, honestly, and they are right now. So yeah, 
that's a that's a good point. I hadn't hadn't thought about that with the equal genders, and I'm definitely on your opinion of probably not having yellow card if they're just taking off their shirt. Um, yeah. Because I'm thinking back to uh, Ryan Giggs's FA Cup uh, run where he traversed past Patrick Vieira and a solid Arsenal, uh, the Invincibles of Arsenal, uh, to skate past all of them and rifle a shot into into the back of the net, and he comes worlds around and whips off his shirt and like has does a windmill with his uh, jersey over his head. Also, another iconic uh, celebration there yeah but well and yeah to go back to your original point about group g though the best part about this was not the celebration it was not the yellow card it was the ref with a huge smile on his face daps up abubakar gives him like a a huge handshake and then (laughs) reaches into his pocket pulls out the yellow and then pulls out the red and abubakar just is laughing as he's leaving the field and honestly, yeah, he, I, I think for him, he didn't really care because they were already out of it and there were only two or three minutes left of reg- regular time in the game against a Brazil team that didn't really care what the result was too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because they almost could have if I – th- I think it was if the Swiss and uh, Serbia tied. If they had gone on to win the game, they were mm-hmm. they would have been able to advance. But because of the result with Serbia and Switzerland – wasn't going to happen for them. So yeah. too too bad for them. Um, so then to finally wrap off the group stages, uh, we had South Korea keeping their dream alive by beating Portugal. This was the one I was thinking of uh, that was yes. at the very end, uh, which ended up knocking Uruguay, Luis Suarez, Edinson Cavani, and all these uh, high-profile stars from Uruguay out of the World Cup. Yeah, it, just quickly on this, it, it's shocking. And watching, this was one of the moments where I loved watching. Just, I mean, I'm not an Uruguay fan, but sorry, I went really Spanish there. <laughs> Go for it, dude. Um, it sounded great. Thank you, thank you. But it was watching Uruguay go from absolute jubilation in the stands because they were up, they were going through – and then South Korea scores a goal in the 91st minute and watching the revelation throughout the entire crowd mm-hmm. and the the guys on the bench like Luis Suarez who had been subbed off, just the complete disbelief, shock, sadness. It, it was a complete 180. And as a neutral observer, I loved it. It was amazing to watch. Yeah, it's it's amazing drama to see unfurling because as you're seeing shots of people looking on their phones, scrolling their phones to see what the result is, you can only imagine hearing like the the boos or like the gasps of what's happened when people hear like you know you thought you're going through and you don't. And yeah. from what I've heard and how it happens on on the field, players really don't know because they're so engrossed in the game. Like they only mm-hmm. know what's on the pitch until they come off, and then they can like relax and see. And obviously, like yeah. seeing the twist of that jubilation then immediately to to pain and sorrow. Uh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely makes for very entertaining to see, but oh man, definitely feel for, feel for the Uruguay fans. Cause that's yeah. reminiscent of United losing to their, uh, title, I think in 2012 to, um, Manchester city where people in the stadium against Sunderland, we had beat Sunderland and we got the, got a result thinking that we were, we had won the game and then. Um, the Aguero, oh, 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 Aguero. 
Yes, thank you, Paul, for reminding me and like it's, getting Andy, me it's back the into greatest, my sorrows. It's the greatest soccer call in history. I don't care who you are. Over I, 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 over I, any I, Barcelona, you're gonna put that over any Barcelona call. That's I mean, that's, okay. There's okay. also there's the call where Messi in a game against Brazil. It was an Argentina Brazil game actually, where Messi scored a hat trick and the game was tied three three. And it was basically just the coach, or sorry, the manager for Argentina basically told his team, just get the ball to Messi and he's going to make something happen. Messi dekes around two or three guys, shot from outside the box, top corner, where the announcer goes, they're backing off, they're backing off, they're backing off, and then he scores. Yes. that I mean, there, that there's cool. some, it, no, I'm sorry, the Aguero <laughs> call with the situation, I, I I'm not even um, a Man City fan, but I've watched that so many times, and it's it's just, it, to me it's the greatest soccer call in history. I'm sorry, I I still think the greatest soccer call in history is Gary Neville, um, openly sounding like he is having he's reading the peak of whatever, um, whatever internal uh, what's it called ecstasy, uh, yes. where you just hear him just moan like oh, and like voice crack. Uh, with Fernando Torres scoring a goal. Um, I think that's the greatest call ever because that just links, you know, the height of ecstasy with soccer, you know, and those things cannot be, cannot be mixed with. Separated. Um, Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Moving on. Yes. We'll move on from that. Um, moving on is, and aptly named, we're going to talk about who is moving on in the cup. So we're going to go down the final or the matchups in the round of 16 and we're going to say who we think is going to be advancing into the next uh round so yeah, and to all our listeners we did complete and we completed brackets uh we'll post them to our social media we did complete these before the knockout stages started so we didn't have any head starts on any of the games that had already happened and you can check us if you want we we can fact check sure yep Yes, we have that. We have postmarked dates of when we put these in. So, <laughs> oh, we do. Up. That's news to me. But okay, cool. <laughs> I I do on my end. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, um, exactly. So first, first one we had, which actually we will talk about uh, on a little bit later, is uh, Netherlands versus USA. We both had Netherlands advancing and yeah. unfortunately our heads were right, but our hearts were very, very sad as yeah. that happened. Um, we yeah. then had Argentina versus Australia. We both put Argentina going ahead. Um, just thinking the power of Messi and their whole team that's been built around him. It's too strong for Australia. Um, and as we'll talk about that, our heads were heads were in the right spot for that. And then two games that happened today were France uh, versus Poland. We both elected France uh, to move ahead, which they did end up doing. And with England-Senegal uh, happening the last game of today, we both had put England. So we didn't try to buck any trends, didn't try to predict any upsets. We went with the with a straight ticket, and we were four for four in that. Yeah. Um, we'll get a little bit later into those games specifically. But the other games that we have to to talk about uh, moving into the quarterfinals uh, is Japan versus Croatia. Now, I actually think Japan is going to continue their, if it's luck, or continue their uh, 
run and actually beat Croatia. Paul, I think, disagrees. So, Paul, yeah. where where do you see this game being won or lost? Honestly, I, I see it being won and lost by the midfield play. Um, I think Croatia's performance kind of hinges on Luka Modric, and I think he's been kind of in the shadows a little bit this tournament. I don't think he's played up to his Real Madrid standard, which has been very good this season and years past. But I th- I think Croatia has slowly gotten stronger throughout the tournament. And if you take away the the missed chances from Lukaku in the Belgium-Croatia game, I think Croatia was the better team. So I just think Croatia has kind of gotten stronger and they found ways to win games that they've been behind. That's their, mm. that's kind of been their MO for this World Cup, the past European Championship and the World Cup in 2018 as well, where, where they were the runners up. They've mm. been really strong coming from behind and finding ways to win games in which they're not necessarily the stronger team or at least the stronger mm. team for the majority of the game. So that's why I think they're going to be a really tough out. But I think this is going to be an extremely hard-fought game. And I think it's going to be one of the most fun ones of the round of 16. Because both teams are kind of that gritty, gutty, you know, body blow, body blow, nothing too fancy, you know, that Mm. you see with like a France or an Argentina, whoever it may be. So I'm really excited for this game. This one's actually probably one of my favorites of the, the round yeah. of 16. So that, that's where I think Croatia is going to win. I think they're going to win in their midfield play. I think Luka Modric is going to step up, but obviously you think differently. You have Japan going through. So what are, what are your thoughts? What are you seeing in this matchup? I honestly, I'm just seeing a team that is in form and a team that's willing to fight for each other and actually has a very, I think a very strong identity in the kind of style of play that they're doing. It's very, it's a very selfless style of, selfless style of football and how they how they operate it and i think they do have some breakout stars from when we had super subs of the past week i think those guys are coming through and kind of almost as unknowns with Rizzo juan and takuma asano i i like the way they play um so i think they could cause a an aging croatia could cause them some trouble um Croatia definitely have good attacking talent as well, so they have players that could could do the damage. But I just see this collective in Japan, and I think they, I think people need to give them more credit. So maybe there's some hubris on Croatia's end uh, for thinking they can they can go over Japan. Um, yeah. I think it's good, but it's definitely going to be tight. This isn't going to be a an easy win on either end. Um, yeah. So. That's what we're that's what we're predicting for for that game. Um, yeah. Next one we have is Brazil South Korea. Um, we both picked Brazil, so I think this is where South Korea's uh, tournament ends. Um, fortunate, unfortunately for them, running against one of hey. the behemoths of soccer. Yeah, I mean, I predict the same thing, but I don't know. Cameroon found a way to beat Brazil. You ne- you just never know. I think something crazy is going to happen in this round of 16, and it's been nice and kind of strange that in the first few games there haven't been any upsets. You know, Australia-Argentina was close um, at mm. times, but something crazy is going to happen. And I'm, 
I'm interested to see if it does because I've honestly kind of picked chalk in my bracket. <laughs> so I think if anyone has a chance to have the upset go their way, I think it's you because you picked a couple. So, um, and then Portugal, Portugal, Switzerland, we both picked Portugal to win. Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo continues his, his run at his last World Cup. And then Morocco, Spain, we disagreed here. Uh, you had mm-hmm. Morocco, I had Spain. Obviously, you think Morocco is going to continue their good their good run of play, their good form that they showed in the the group stages. But where do you think this game is going to be won for Morocco? I I think it's on the width. I think the width that Morocco has in both Hakimi and I want to say who is their other uh, their other winger. Um, that's the name's escaping me now. Um, I'll do research. You keep going. Is it? I'll do research. Yeah, it's not. It's not real. It plays for Chelsea. Um, is it Chelsea winger? Um, Hakim Ziyech. I think it's Ziyech. Yeah, Ziyech. Yes. Yeah. I think yep. their their combination play out wide. I think that's where they can do the business. Um, I can see very much for a counterattacking team like Morocco has probably played. Uh, in this World Cup, they can do that against Spain. Spain is definitely. Loves, I think, any team that sits kind of in a low block so where they can kind of pass yeah. around them. But yeah. all it takes is one one goal breaking away from a corner or something where they just have it perfect and then they get a little bit of get a little bit of confidence uh, in their defense. So I can see a I can see a Spain that's still pretty young in yeah. their in yeah in their buildup and in their uh, lineup. I can see them getting frustrated from that, or if they're not putting away their chances and leaving Morocco in the game, I think Morocco can nick one. I think they got that a, a better balance and will take the advantage of that. Yeah, and I, I think Spain's biggest weakness, I think, are their two center backs. You have Rodri mm. and, oh boy, who's the other one? Is it Pau Torres? Is Pau mm. Torres starting, I think, of that? Good question. Anyway, obviously we do a ton of research before we record this podcast. Uh <laughs> I think I think Spain has been strong at left back with Jordi Alba and Balde. I think they've been strong at right back with Danny Carvajal. But I think their biggest weakness are the two center backs, and that's where they've given up goals in this tournament, uh, mm-hmm. Japan and Germany. I think the, the midfield's very strong, especially when you have Gavi and Pedri there. I think Busquets is a weak point. He's just a little too old, a little too slow to go against some of these younger guys who are nicking the ball off of him. So I definitely could see that width kind of coming into play, taking on some of those left, the left back and the right back and playing balls into the center where Spain is weaker. So Mm. I, you know, I did pick Spain, but I could, I could see, like you said, Morocco coming up with that upset for sure. Yeah. But it, it really just kind of depends again, like on the game and it's going to be who scores the first goal. And that's probably like that's always the I think the the biggest thing in soccer matches is whoever gets the first goal that really dictates the rest of the game. Um, I'm going to yeah. use that to segue into results that we've already seen in these uh, quarter or games that are leading into the quarterfinals. Uh, I think that was really the story of the game versus Netherlands versus the USA. Uh, mm-hmm. The Dutch ended up beating our Star Spangled Boys three uh, one. Uh, we tried to get, we got a goal back to make it interesting, uh, with, I want to say 15 minutes left in the game, but 
at the other end, Netherlands came back to score and make it three one, really putting yeah. us uh putting us in misery. But yeah, and, and yeah. I think the the heartbreaker was giving up the the goal right before halftime on the last kick of the half. You know, mm-hmm. kind of a broken play. Blind comes yeah. across, slots at home. I think that was the killer. I think if the the U.S. went in a half down one nil, I I think the U.S. scores in the second in the second half, and I think that honestly the game goes into extra time. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think the U.S. Yeah. comes out on top personally. I think the Netherlands were too much. I think they were too solid and they were clinical, honestly, in in scoring yeah. when they had the opportunities. Whereas the U.S. scored one and it honestly probably should have had a second and all those chances, those flurry of chances at the end of regulation time. and Yeah. But a good showing, yeah. honestly, for me overall in the World Cup. I don't know what you thought, Andy, but I, for the the youth that our team had and the amount of injuries mm-hmm. we had coming into it, I think it was a good showing, personally. I I think so, too, because honestly, I could you could see this game going the other way. If the U.S. got their first goal, I know Christian Pulisic had probably the best chance uh, of the game coming from a, a free kick that ended up getting booted out and then recycled back in, uh, catching the Dutch defense uh, off guard. Um, and Christian Pulisic had a one-on-one with the goalkeeper, uh, yeah. but just hits it straight into his leg, uh, yeah. which he needs to he needs to put that in the back of the net if he if he wants wants to be Captain America in in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, but to be fair to him, Andy, he looked like he was about 50% for that game. He was yeah. struggling to get around. I mean, when you have a pelvic contusion, I'm sure it hurts just to move. So oh, sure. to be fair, he was probably half of his brain was consumed probably with pain from just trying to kick the ball, yeah. to be honest. And that's a and that's a good point, too. Of We weren't seeing top-notch Christian Pulisic, but there's a couple, I think, other performances a little, little disappointed in seeing I think Weston McKinney uh didn't have his best game uh yeah. and how he was passing and spraying balls out. Um our uh left back Robinson he got caught up for both or two of those goals um mm-hmm. failing to track Daly Blind on that goal in the lead up and then I think at the last or the last goal that the Dutch scored uh yeah. completely forgot to to mark. Um but that that just comes with that's the youth, I think. That's just Yeah, the, for sure. You get caught in, you get drawn towards your the center back and you don't realize that there's a bigger game that's being played behind. And especially in a system that the Netherlands had with having five across the midfield, they're always going to have that extra wide player. So just yeah. more on yeah, more on I think just growing and understanding in the game. But they played the Dutch and were not afraid. They didn't try to sit back and hit the Dutch on the counter. They took the game to the Dutch. And honestly, I would give them, I'd give them a lot of credit for that because I don't think the Dutch were sweating, I think, this game until they got their go ahead goal. And then I think the U.S. just played into, played into Dutch hands. But that's just, that's just where, where I kind of see where, how that game kind of broke down. Yeah, and I I think it's it's promising moving forward, right? I, mm-hmm. The you look at the United States captain Tyler Adams, twenty three years old, right? Uh, it's so mm-hmm. much youth across the team, and I think they're just going to get better, and I think they're going to be dangerous in twenty twenty six, especially with the World Cup being at home. In the well, mm-hmm. not completely at home, but between the Canada, U.S. and, and Mexico, I think it's it sets up for a really exciting twenty twenty six for sure. But I I, I am going to knock you a little bit, Andy, because you. you 
you didn't say the line the Dutch were too much for the Star Spangled Boys. That was like I was so excited about that line. The, the well, kidding. that was the note I wanted you. I wanted you to have that because that was that was pure gold, and the creator of that uh, should be the one to say it. Well, thank you. In I my opinion. That. <laughs> but any 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 case with that, yeah, I still do agree that the U.S. should hold their heads up high uh, and not look too much into this loss. There's, I think, there's a gulf in class in terms of the Dutch and the U.S., but the U.S. shouldn't be thinking that they're a second a second rate team. I think they can definitely knock off some big boys. Come uh, the next World Cup, where it'll be For joint sure. hosted, I think they'll. They could really cause a stir there. Um, yeah, we'll see on, what... on, they could totally be one of the favorites too. I could, mm-hmm. I can see it. I don't think it's out of yeah. the question. Yeah, because like statistically, there's always the toast nations always have a better World Cup when they are hosting. When they are hosting, so mm-hmm. with that, they get good draws. Um, and they play the way they played against the Dutch. They play that way if they get drawn into a a kind of haphazard haphazard any team if any team is not on their a game the u.s i think has the quality to win so yeah. that's that's something they can they can tip their cap off to for sure moving moving on to your favorite game of oh, yeah. the the matchups of argentina australia uh argentina got the business done um what what was going through your your mind as this game was progressing paul well to start nerves because Argentina was creating chances but not scoring, right? And then mm. Messi draws the penalty on Chesney. Is that how you pronounce his name, Mr. Mr. Yeah, Chesney. Yeah, I think Chesney. Chesney. Right. Thank you. Thank you. So draws the penalty and then hits one of the worst penalties of his career. Um, and I, then I was upset. I was like, oh man, if if Argentina loses this game because of a messy miss penalty, my my day is going to be ruined, my week's going to be ruined, and he's going to make fun of me on the podcast. <laughs> um, so, but then then he comes back and scores an absolute world class goal where he picks up the mm-hmm. ball outside the eighteen, scores a traditional messy goal, going to his left, shoots it through the legs of two or three defenders, slots it in the corner for one nil, and then gets a gets help for the second one to go up two nil. And then Argentina just kind of held on. Um, they definitely let off the gas in a little bit concerning for that. And then Argentina with the last kick of the game had a, had a chance to put the ball in the back of the net, but Emmy Martinez comes up with a huge save. So Argentina were good enough against a tough, tough minded, gritty, gutty Australia team for sure. But, mm. you know, just, just happy they got the result and moved on. And now they go up against a good Netherlands team that, I think Argentina has a good chance to win. Um, but mm-hmm. you never know with the Dutch. I just, I think the Dutch have been a little bit lacking in the midfield at times. I think Frankie hasn't, Frankie de Jong hasn't been on his best game throughout this tournament. I think he's had his good moments for sure, but we'll have to see. I think it'll, it'll be a contrasting style, kind of like what you were saying. Um, with Spain, how they like to play against teams that like to back off and play a lower block and, I think Argentina will kind of see some of that against the Netherlands. So, but just really happy that mm. that they got the win for sure. Yeah, I think that's for for most of the big teams, especially like all these uh, teams that we projected to move on. For them, I think it was just getting through this round and getting to the matchups that they were really looking forward to 
to yeah. go and beat as kind of their finals and seeing having two heavyweights of Argentina and the Netherlands. Uh, that's what, that's what you go to a world cup for is being able to do that in, in quarterfinals. So mm-hmm. honestly, they, they got the job done. So really professional kind of performances, uh, from, from them and from Argentina to, to do that. Other professional performance we had was France versus Poland. Um, game Killing ended. Killing Mbappe, uh, man. Yeah. In, Dude. insane. And I'll say Killing Mbappe, but I would say put respect on, uh, Olivier Giroud's name because. For sure. He is not lauded as a very, was a top class striker, but I think he is world class when it comes to France and who he's played for and what he's brought to a team. His hold-up play is great. Um, the, his movement in the box, even to just draw attention away from, uh, draw attention of defenders with his, mm-hmm. uh, with his, um, as people say, the meaty French forehead, um, for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any sort of headers or crosses that opens up space for killing Mbappe to then run into. Um, so really I think killing Mbappe doesn't do as well if he doesn't have Olivier Giroud up in that front line. But yeah, gotta say, and, Kylian Mbappe's goals were were amazing. Yeah, and honestly, he is now tied for Ronaldo with uh, the second most goals in World Cup. Messi has mm. nine, Mbappe has eight, Ronaldo has eight. That's mm. crazy, and Mbappe is, yeah. what, 23 years old now? You know, yeah. like, it, it, he's going to blow them out of the water. And yeah. But, I agree with you. We can't talk about Mbappe without talking about Giroud. 52 goals all time for France. Uh, one ahead of Thierry Henry now. Uh, world class player there as well. So huge kudos to, to Giroud, but I lost my train of thought. Whoops. That's, that's okay. Uh, because <laughs> you know weird. what? Poland, Poland went off the tracks, uh, from yeah. that game with, with Kylian Mbappe. <laughs> Um, they were able to get a, a goal back, uh, and Lewandowski got his second goal in the World Cup. Um, it took him two tries. I was actually watching the game, uh, with my girlfriend, Bridget, and she saw Lewandowski's first penalty and she was like, yeah, that was a really bad penalty. And she's not one to really, uh, watch too much soccer. Um, yeah. and she knew it right off the bat. And I was like, yeah, that was a very poor penalty. Um, funny. but what had happened the first go in the first attempt, um, for the penalty, uh, now I'm blanking on the French goalkeeper's name, his Hugo, name Hugo Loris, Hugo Loris. Yes. What a French name. Hugo yes. Loris. Um, <laughs> he went off his line, which means he oh, jumped a lot off the goal line before, uh, Lewandowski kicked the ball and he jumped maybe like four or five yards, it looked like, before yeah. making it. Yeah. And that changed. So, ref calls it again. Second time, Lewandowski doesn't miss. So, kudos, uh, kudos to him on that. But, I, I, yeah, I remember my point. Anything. I remember oh, yeah. my point now. <laughs> give, give me two minutes for my brain to catch up to my mouth. So, I, I think you just got to give huge kudos to Giroud also because everyone thought that he was a huge step down to Kareem Benzema, right? Kareem Benzema mm-hmm. in really good form gets injured in, in training in the lead up to the World Cup. And Giroud has to step up as an older, older veteran, someone who's definitely in the twilight of his career. And he has just looked like a younger, younger version of himself, right? So, mm-hmm. 
just scoring goals, creating chances, making great runs, opening opportunities for people. I mean, he, he led the break on Mbappe's first goal mm-hmm. where it was mm-hmm. a three on three. You know, he kind of gets a defender to engage with him, passes the ball out to Dembele from the right side who gets past his defender, finds Mbappe and he has all the time in the world to just slot at home. So, you know, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I was trying to give Mbappe all the credit, but Giroud definitely deserves at least an equal amount for sure. Cause he's, I think he's been the straw to stir the French drink for sure. Yes, definitely. That is a great analogy. Cause yeah, I think that was a lot of times people were wondering even earlier with his French team, who is going to be the glue that kind of gets, you know, Antoine Griezmann, who is this number 10, but he's a very hard, really a hardworking second striker. Uh, that more likes to feed off of being in finding pockets of space. You yeah. kind of need a target man uh, to make that happen. And you have no better target man, I think, honestly, in the rest of this team than Olivier Giroud. I would say yeah. Harry Kane isn't a target man anymore. He's more of this false nine uh, striker. But I think as a yeah. that genuine number 10, I think he's the best still in, in this tournament. Um, so kudos to him. We have said kudos a lot. We actually had just have a lot of kudos from this past uh, week of watching all this, um, all the soccer and we're in the Christmas spirit. And so we just want to give yes. as many kudos as we can. Um, Definitely. the last team we'll give kudos to, uh, is England. Um, I'll and... defer to you, uh, Paul, from what you saw with England, uh, but very, very strong showing, uh, at the end to get to win three nil. I, I can't believe you're giving me the rock for your team, but hey, I'll take it. Um, I I want to I want to hear hear your opinion first. I just I'm I'm giving. I want to give you the the difference in that, and I can I can follow up. I think honestly, the the biggest surprise for me, I haven't I've watched some Tottenham games this year. I think the biggest surprise for me is Harry Kane, like you said, playing that false nine role, having him step back playing honestly more like a, an attacking midfielder or even a central midfielder where he's dropping really deep to get the ball and kind of service his guys going forward. It honestly, to me, Andy, I'm going to call it the Lionel Messi role because no player mm-hmm. really before Messi did this, right? Where Correct. Messi, Messi kind of got to the point where he realized he can't sprint past players anymore. He can't break them down as easily off the dribble going for 40, 50, 60 yard runs with the ball, right? Mm-hmm. So he decided, hey, I'm going to distribute, find my guys, and then get into attacking positions myself to score or have my guys score for me, right? Mm-hmm. So having him drop back, that's been my biggest surprise because I don't when, – when, when I think Harry Kane, I think traditional number 10, getting on the end of crosses, half volleys, volleys, putting balls mm-hmm. in the back of the net that way, right? But he's really kind of stepped back into that false nine, like you were saying, and distributing the ball. And I think it's really changed England's dynamic. And I don't think the opponents know how to deal with it, right? I don't think they've adjusted to that game plan of having Mm -hmm. Harry Kane be that false nine and dropping back. And then they're like, well, who's there to defend? And then all of a sudden they have these fast guys like Foden, um, Mm -hmm. Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling Mm -hmm. getting in behind them and scoring goals. And it's just like... Yeah, Bukayo Saka coming in, yes, mm-hmm. and like that's that is adding to it because there is already with with Phil Foden, you having such a such an attacking talent there, being able to kind of link up play with there and getting balls not only to to the forwards but also any advancing 
uh, left and right backs because Luke Shaw and on the other side, it's either Kieran Trippier or uh, Kyle Walker, who's been mostly playing, getting them yeah. and their speed into there too. Um, so yeah, it adds this, it adds this great dynamic and Harry Kane is, is, I think now is coming off of his injury. He's finding his own and England are looking better. And, you know, people I've heard from the England camp are saying, or people that are England fans, they want to see more Phil Foden. They want to see Phil Foden. And he was the reason for England's first goal. England actually kind of struggled in the first half dealing with, Mm -hmm. um, Senegal's press because they were just kind of passing it around their defensive rim. They weren't getting any penetration. Uh, and the penetration actually came from when they advanced the ball to Phil Foden. Phil Foden has this great no-look, just passed behind him, flick, a little flick yeah. uh, on, and finds a space that Harry Kane's able able to find um, to to go down further <laughs> and mm-hmm. have a cutback to get to Jordan Henderson, who ends up uh, scoring the first goal. And then from there, they they took control. So mm-hmm. having that, having that little dynamic, if there's any sort of partnership between Phil Foden and Harry Kane, watch out, uh, Argentina, watch out Brazil, watch out France, well, hey, because they don't have to yeah. worry about that. Watch out France first. You got to get past France before you can get to Argentina or Brazil. Hey, sorry. This is the, the English hubris is getting, getting a little bit ahead on, yeah. on this. Um, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. So yeah, England, for the quarterfinals, England is going to face France. Morocco oh, is going to face Portugal. Yeah, that's a whoa, that's a whoa, tough matchup. And... Mor- Morocco and Portugal haven't played yet, Andy. <laughs> oh, I'm just going. Ahead. I was just going You're down getting... my. I was going down. <laughs> I was so confident, man. I thought yeah. I had the the quarterfinals locked down, being like, who's going to okay, play who. I'll... Um, we'll but... <laughs> see. We'll see for sure. No, honestly, England England France, I think, is going to be to me, the most exciting quarterfinal game. I think you have two really strong teams, two really informed teams going up against each other. And I'm honestly, even though I picked France, I'm going to give a little bit of an edge to England right now. I think that they've, I think they've looked like the sharper team overall. So I, mm. I think it's a shame that both teams have to face each other in the quarters. Cause I think both have the quality to be a finals team, honestly. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see how that shakes out for sure. It's my, it's my, must watch, must watch matchup for the quarters for this World Cup. Definitely, definitely. So we are we are excited to to see that come Saturday. Uh, we are nearing an hour on this podcast, so Ooh. we are going to going to be wrapping up. We just had so much to cover. We had so many kudos to give out, Paul. Yes. Just a lot of kudos. Yes. So it just takes some yes. time sometimes. Um, yes. Paul, who were you, who was your super sub of this week of this feast of soccer? I'm going to give it to South Korea's Hwang Hee-chan for coming on in the 66th minute, putting in some some really good minutes, and then coming up with the goal in the 91st minute to beat a strong Portugal team and advance their team to the knockout stage after they were looking like they were going out. Absolute bedlam. South Korea, again, another one of those teams. Gritty gutty. You got to watch out for him, mm. honestly. So we'll see. We'll see how Brazil handles them because I think Brazil has the better quality and has the speed. But I think if they slip, if they're not on their game that day, South Korea could shock the world. Yeah, I could see. I, you know, as much as I think Brazil could win it all, I can also see them getting out in the first round. They're just one of those one of those teams that if they don't bring it, this South Korea team could make them pay the price. So yeah. We are geared up for a very, a very fun, uh, next round of games. 
Do you but, do you have an honorary mention for the super subs, Andy? You know, if it wasn't Long Hee Chan, I was also going to say Ritsu Joan. Uh, really just for uh, coming on to equalize against Japan and helping them advance into the knockout stage by both knocking out Germany uh, and helping them win uh, the gr- or almost win the group. So for yeah, and, for and they them, knocked out Spain, not Japan. <laughs> he he plays for Japan. Oh my gosh! Yeah, all these kudas <laughs> have gotten me so confused, guys. I I apologize. Um, so no, yes, Ritsu Duan plays for Japan. So yeah. yes, great great goal against be... Spain. Honestly, from like you were saying, that blade of grass that kept that ball in play and then putting it in the back of the net for a two one win. To knock Germany out, I think amazing, honestly, and yes. almost almost our first ever back to back super sub of the week, which we would have to find a medal or send him a little trophy for for doing that because he'd be the first ever to do that. So yes, and and we, offer to have him come on our podcast too. Yes, absolutely. So once we get his number, um, we'll make that happen. <laughs> so I'll, I won't look in the Spain directly. I'll look in the Japanese directory uh, to make that happen. That sounds good. Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, guys, for, for listening to a, a longer version of this podcast. Uh, but really appreciate your, your time. Uh, Paul has been Paul. I have been Andy. And we will see you uh, in a week with all these um, quarterfinal games happening. So till then... A big old bye. Bye.